This is the Fantasy Show with Show Ali and Matt Marchese on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's Sunday morning, and you know what that means. It's time for the Fantasy Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali, Matt Marchese, here for a good time, not a long time, this Sunday morning. We're here for just an hour. This football talk will be preempted by uh, football talk with Canada taking on Croatia later on this morning. But uh, fear not, in place of our usual two hours of start-sit talk, we're still here to take your questions on the People's Text Line at 590-590. Name and location, please. And you can tweet at us as well at SNS Ali with two L's at MattyMar89 at The Fantasy Show on Twitter. We'll go through some, if not start sits for this hour, we'll go through some of the top stories of the weekend. Take a look back at the Thanksgiving games in America as well. Uh, some pretty dry turkey being served uh, after all of those games, especially on the uh, Patriots-Vikings game. Boy, Adam Thielen did not like that at Thanksgiving turkey. But we'll get we'll get to all that stuff a little a little bit uh, straight ahead as well. Again, your texts at 590-590. But I suppose, Matt, if people do want to text us on the text line with uh, football questions, not football questions, then I guess uh, you can answer those. I don't think you'll need my help. Yeah, I might be able to take the reins on that one. Yeah. What an interesting World Cup it's been. And I apologize to everyone for my voice because I'm fighting one right now. Um, hotel uh, air, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Air circulation is not great. Um, so I'm fighting one this morning, so I apologize. But yes, um, really looking forward to all the football games today. And of course, Canada playing Croatia, which should be a really fun matchup. I hope that someone uh, scores a goal today for Team Canada. That's that's. I think that's where I'm at now. I just I just want a a goal, one goal, but before before the end of the group stage. And you know what? I'll, I'll it's already a success. But that's what I'll I'll t- I'll take that, and I will uh, I will leave the tournament a happy man. Um, I was also a very happy man, Matt, after the Thursday night games, or th- I guess not just Thursday night, but after all of the Thursday games on American Thanksgiving this past couple of days, and uh, it was Bills Lions. Giants, Cowboys, and Patriots, Vikings, and your Buffalo Bills gutting out a very narrow win, eking out a narrow win over the Detroit Lions, who are four and seven. The Buffalo Bills get their eighth win of the season. They, they look. I, I'm not sure if they looked super inspiring to me, but I, I will say, and I, I've, I've said this before. You know, you kind of trust the process a little bit when it comes to starting your own fantasy players, especially when it comes to the age-old adage of starting your studs right when it comes to start your studs for us for our purposes what that means essentially like let's say let's take stefan Diggs, right before he caught that touchdown at the end of the game i think i want to say he had like four catches for 30 yards or something like that and and i I feel like if you start your studs and they lay down a stinker then i mean you know ultimately speaking you're not going to feel too too bad about starting like Stefan Diggs who through for much of the season has been the WR1. So, I don't think you're going to feel too too bad for sure, but at the same time, you it's it's always tough to for your best players to see a relatively low score hanging there from Thursday all the way to all the games starting later on Sunday afternoon. So I uh, I was very pleased as, a, as a, someone who has a couple of shares of Stefan Diggs across a couple of leagues. I was very pleased to see that not only did he catch a late touchdown, but he also caught an absolute rope from Josh Allen to set up the game-winning uh, field goal at the very end of regulation. So I, I guess all's well that ends well for Diggs. Less so for Gabe Davis. I think in half PPR, Davis ended with around like 
five and a half points or so. But Josh Allen, I actually can't believe people were... I, I saw people complaining about the performance of Josh Allen on Thursday, given the slow second half, and he still ended with about 30 points. Yeah, I... It's going to be the story for the rest of the year, honestly. I, I don't know what to make of this team. Like, if I'm being frank here, which I will be, uh, they didn't deserve to win that game. They were they didn't move the ball as well as we thought they would. I think that Detroit is better than what they have been throughout the season. I think that Detroit has, has vastly improved from, you know, the team that was giving up 30-plus points every week. But in the same breath, I also kind of get it because it's like, oh, they're playing Detroit. Josh Allen should have, you know, over 300 passing yards. He should have four touchdown passes. He should also run one in, and he should probably have like a 50 burger week. But that's not that firstly, that's not how the offense has rolled the last few weeks, especially since the elbow injury, and that's just Detroit is just a better football team than they were at the beginning of the year defensively, and they still managed to put up 25 points. The other thing is show is that the Bills their defense is so banged up that they it's it feels like every time the offense gets field position it's the 30-yard line or less and their own 30-yard line whereas before they were able to get stops they were able to you know turn the ball over more but with all the injuries they've had the defense hasn't flipped the field like they had earlier on in the year which makes for a lot easier points for Josh Allen and the offense so i think that's something that nobody's talking about either Josh Allen also had set, uh, 10 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown, which obviously for fantasy purposes is great. And I, and I said this to you before, but and I, I know I harp about the Bills running game a lot, Matt, but at the same time, like I just I can't help but think that Josh Allen is an absolute physical specimen. He is so much fun to watch, and he is uh, he's the kind of guy who can lay balls on and the most accurate of passes, absolute frozen ropes, like I said. At the same time, I I do kind of have concerns that if they keep on doing this, and I, and I know a part of it is not just the Buffalo Bills themselves. I know that it, it it is also Josh Allen wanting to do it himself. But I can't help but think of like Cam Newton being in his absolute prime because we saw what Cam Newton was even just a couple of seasons ago. And Cam Newton is was, again, another physical specimen, could do some absolutely ludicrous things with the football, either when he was carrying it or throwing it. And he, the heights for him were so high, but then afterwards injuries took their toll. Are you, like, are you worried about that at all with Allen, Josh Allen? Well, th- it's funny that you mentioned that because one of the things that came to mind was one of the last plays of the game where they ran Allen on the outside and right. he got absolutely drilled. Yeah. And and my first thought was, why? It's you, it's already not a super long field goal. Obviously, you want to get back into field goal range. But, and this is no disrespect to Devin Singletary, but if Devin Singletary gets hurt, it's one thing. If Josh Allen gets hurt, that's an entirely different thing. So why not run Singletary and try and you know carve out a few more yards instead of running your quarterback who almost got hurt again? I, I get that that as a runner, he's very dangerous. But in the same breath, you got to protect him and you got to figure out other ways late in the game to not have him be put in a position like that. So it, it's finding that balance. And I honestly think, show that we're going to be having that conversation for at least a couple more years with Josh Allen about, you know, if he's going to be able to stay healthy, if they keep running him like this. And... 
it does scare the hell out of me. How about that? As a Bills fan, it absolutely does scare the hell out of me how they run him. And, and keeping him upright, I know the injury that he had was him throwing out of the pocket, but still, you put yourself in so much more danger when you're running plays like that near the end of the game. Yeah, exactly. Like again, like is it is it great for our purposes in fantasy football? Yeah, one thousand percent. He had two hundred and fifty yards passing, uh, two touchdowns. He had one pick that honestly, I'm not sure who was his fault really. And then Josh Allen also had the ten carries, seventy eight yards, and a TD, which is fantastic. But at the same time, I just I I do wonder long term how sustainable it is. But hey, if you started him this weekend, you probably are off to a very very good start after a twenty eight twenty five win. For the Detroit Lions, um, I wanted to get to these other couple of games before we start talking about some of the stories of the day. Uh, the Cowboys pulling out the 28 to 20 win over the Giants. Really, the Giants scoring a TD, I think, in the final, what, like minute or two to make it seem a lot closer than it was after a lackluster first half by the Cowboys. They really came alive in the second half. All, all I can say about the Cowboys offense is even though I think Dak Prescott doesn't look super inspiring at times. And I think you have to give some credit to the Giants defense. They're a pretty stingy group as they have been all season. Uh, but boy, Dalton Schultz, we'll get to CeeDee Lamb in a second here because he still had a great game. But Dalton Schultz, like find you someone who looks at Dalton Schultz, who looks at you like like Dak Prescott looks at Dalton Schultz in the red zone. Because like they, they scheme up very specific things for Dalton Schultz when they're inside that 20-yard line, inside the 10-yard line, inside the 5-yard line. Honestly, like more than I think maybe any other tight end in the entire NFL, and I'm including Travis Kelsey. Like I almost feel like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey can get away with some things because they're both just ludicrously talented. There's a lot of like scramble drill stuff that goes on down there. And and, and by and large, even the, the scheme stuff works out for Travis Kelsey. But boy, like if you have Dalton Schultz, and I know it's probably not sustainable to expect two touchdowns on four catches every week, Matt, but if you have Schultz, and you don't have one of the other top guys like a Kelsey Kittle Andrews, and I know Andrews has been banged up this season. If you don't have one of those three guys, you're probably feeling pretty good if you have Dalton Schultz. Of course, and and there was a reason why he finished as a top five tight end last year and why a lot of people had him in the same spot. Listen, if Dalton Schultz doesn't get hurt and Dak Prescott doesn't get hurt, we're talking about another top five. He's probably going to finish near the top five yeah, probably. anyway yeah. again this year. So... He's he's just been he's been such a good performer and the and the funniest part about all of this is is that he was kind of the what's the word he he was like the consolation prize for Dallas Goddard because Philadelphia jumped ahead of of the Dallas Cowboys to select Dallas Goddard cuz that's who they had lined up and they ended up taking Dalton Schultz and he's been just fine thank you very much. He's a he's a really good player. He's a good pass catcher. He caught all four of his targets for 31 yards. And, of course, we mentioned it's not sustainable for him to have two touchdowns every single week. But you can – he's going to get his opportunities. There's no question that he's going to get his opportunities because they do look to him in the red zone. I really like Dalton Schultz. I I, I tried to acquire him in a few places uh, before trade deadlines and whatnot. And, and he's he's been excellent. Like, if you look at – what the the tight ends did, like Jake Ferguson had three catches for 57 yards, another up-and-coming tight end. Dalton Schultz had the the four catches for 31 yards, two touchdowns, as we mentioned. Peyton Hendershot had one carry for two yards and had a touchdown. So the tight ends were all involved in different facets of the game, and they produced and showed, dare I say, 
have we seen the resurgence of Ezekiel Elliott? Am I am I willing to go there? If you see the Cowboys put up 28 points and Tony Pollard does not have a touchdown, I would have said that you were crazy. Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott over the last, I think, month of playing time since becoming healthier has looked like the old uh, battering ram Ezekiel Elliott that we'd see when he was drafted, right? Maybe so maybe the speed isn't there anymore, but at the same time, 16 carries for 92 yards. He had one catch for three yards, which I, I, I mean, I guess that's fine. But he had a touchdown as well on the ground. And yeah, Ezekiel Elliott, since becoming healthy, has lent a new dimension, I would think, to this Dallas Cowboys offense. Tony Pollard had a decent day as well, 18 carries, for 60 yards, no TDs. He had two catches for one yard as well. And so neither of them super, you know, being large factors in the passing game on Thanksgiving. But Ezekiel Elliott with 92 yards and a TD is is great to see because I think it does probably I'm not I'm not ready to anoint Zeke as a quote unquote league winner down the stretch because he all he, a, he probably wasn't drafted very highly, but B, I mean, it's probably going to be a, a split slash timeshare with both these guys for the rest of the season. But if they can get back to the whole thunder and lightning thing that we had seen to lesser degrees in seasons past, then boy, the Dallas Cowboys will have a lot of a lot of pressure taken off of not just Dak Prescott, but also CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. Like, CeeDee Lamb had six catches for 106 yards, and Michael Gallup had five very impressive catches for 63 yards. Like, that guy was making contested grabs. I, I want to say every single one of those five grabs were contested grabs. Like, going up to get it, yanking passes out of other out of defenders' hands. Like, Dak wasn't super accurate on a lot of those five catches for, for Michael Gallup, and he made the most of them. Again, five catches for 63 yards. Definitely not, not anything to sneeze at. And C.D. Lamb, I, I think he, he was just this close from having a couple of bigger days because he was tackled like right within the five-yard line, right at the two-yard line a handful of times. So had he just had he gotten into the end zone even once on six catches and 106 yards, you're probably feeling even better about that. But if you have over 100 yards from C.D. Lamb on Thanksgiving, I think you probably feel pretty good about it. But... Uh, yeah. I dare say as well, one of the, the best fantasy assets and just assets to hold in general between now and the end of the fantasy season, Matt, I honestly, dare I say, might be the Dallas defense. Like I know I know defenses, like some leagues might not even have defenses, right? But I, th- I do think that defenses are, are or they, they can be very fantasy relevant. I mean, in years past, a couple of years ago, we had the Patriots defense that was like having like an RB2 and RB3. Basically, it felt like every week. Kickers can be the same way, right? The Philly defense, another one that has, despite falling off this season, has looked, uh, you know, looking a little more mortal in the last couple of weeks. has still been very good. The Dallas defense is definitely one, I think, as we approach the fantasy playoffs, it's week 12, as we approach the rest of the fantasy season and some fantasy playoffs start in week 13, some start in week 14, I think most start in week 15. But as we approach that that point in the next couple of weeks, the trade deadline as well, I think it is important to realize that you can you can pair defenses like Dallas defenses with other maybe ones that might be available on the waiver wire. Like generally speaking, I do not uh I do not uh, advocate for holding two D's, but at this point, you you are probably better served doing it if you think you're going to make the playoffs. Well, the next three games, they have the Colts, they have the Texans, and they have the Jaguars. Ooh. And last time I checked, the, the Colts, the Texans, and the Jaguars have had issues holding on to the ball. So I think that they're going to be fantasy relevant. The issue becomes, what are they like when the playoffs start? And 
so they will the Jaguars will at the beginning of the fantasy playoffs if I'm not mistaken and then they have the Eagles and then they have the Titans to round out the fantasy playoffs so you're going to have to make a decision like I, I feel like the Cowboys defense is startable regardless just because they've been so good like they had the three sacks they had a forced fumble in this game and if it weren't for if it weren't for that late TD that really meant nothing we'd be having a different conversation about you know the Cowboys allowing uh, 13 points after allowing three to the Vikings and they did kind of get torched a bit by the Packers and the Bears but they're still able to get to the quarterback i think they had something like eight quarterback hits so they're getting to where they need to get to, and their secondary has been able to turn the ball over at a pretty frequent basis. So I, I like Dallas's defense, and I, I would be okay starting them even in the playoffs with two tougher matchups. Yeah, the Dallas defense has been very, very reliable, and I think a lot of people are probably at that point where even if, if you don't want to roster two defenses for the playoffs, it's perfectly valid as well, and you want to just roll with Dallas, you're probably going to be in uh, in pretty good shape. Right, let's get to the last Thanksgiving game before we start uh, some of the stories I wanted to get to with you. And uh, Patriots-Vikings, Patriots losing a very close one to the Vikings on the road, a 33-26 victory for Minnesota. Uh, I think the usual suspects were the stars in this one, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, TJ Hawkinson, pretty much most of the only three pass catchers are going to start in any consistency, uh, any level here. Uh, Justin Jefferson had nine catches for 139 yards and a touchdown. He was basically doing whatever he wanted. Like, no matter, it didn't, didn't really matter who was covering him. If two guys were covering him, it didn't really matter. Kirk Cousins was getting the ball uh, on time and uh, with, with some pretty accurate passes from old Kirk, but some fantastic catches from Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen with a late TD, nine catches for 61 yards and a TD. So anytime you get a T, we, we talked about how Thielen is, is kind of TD dependent and he, he definitely is, but nine catches in this one as well because Kirk Cousins threw the ball 37 times tj hawkinson five catches for 43 yards and a td again tj hawkinson since joining the minnesota vikings has been very very consistent maybe a top five finish by the end of it all for hawkinson but the three guys that you are usually going to start in in most games i think Thielen is is i think one of those like every week flex plays with some upside for more well this was the upside for more week here on thanksgiving in america and of course dalvin cook 22 carries for 42 scoreless yards. He had four receptions for 14 yards as well. So not so great a day for Dalvin Cook. And uh, Kirk Cousins himself, 30 for 37, 299 yards and three touchdowns. I, I guess it's a pretty stark change, Matt, from what we saw in the previous week, in week 11, when they got absolutely uh, destructified, let's say, by the Dallas Cowboys, losing, what, like 40-3? to three? The very next week, the Minnesota Vikings, now 9-2, and two, they put up 33 points. On a defense, I think we all thought would was, was pretty good, but it, this game turned into a shootout real quick. It did, and I was kind of surprised that New England was able to keep up. Like, Mac Jones had 382 passing yards. He had to throw the ball 39 times. Two touchdowns, like that's that's a we're not getting that from Mac Jones every week. We're aware of that. Um, but what ended up happening was you mentioned the Dalvin Cook line. New England said we're going to take away what we believe is your best option in Dalvin Cook, even though it's not. We know it's Justin Jefferson, but Justin Jefferson's he's basically uncoverable. We figured that out. What they wanted to do was, hey, we're going to make Kirk Cousins throw the ball in prime time. And for once in his life, Kirk Cousins was actually good throwing the ball in primetime. He did throw an interception, which was the easiest money that you would have made if you were gambling on this game was Kirk Cousins throwing an interception. But 
it, it was a way, way more high-scoring game than I thought. The Patriots are, are six and five; they're still right in it. Uh, Kings improved to nine and two. All right, man. You know, I'm gonna I'm it, gonna cut you off really quick just because I think um, I think uh, Skynet is coming for your connection wherever you are. But we'll get you. You know what? We'll, we'll get you on in in a back in a couple of minutes here because yeah, like the I, Matt, I believe is coaching a tournament somewhere in in like the the Great White North. Yeah, Sudbury. He is. He's where he's coaching a tournament. So. The uh, stable connection of his toasty home is probably not with him as he usually is. Uh, I do want to get to the uh, the Patriots side of this because, like like Matt was saying, that you're you're you can only do a certain amount of things with Justin Jefferson when you're covering him on defense. You can only do a certain amount of things with Dalvin Cook, and like Matt said, you, they definitely tried to take away Dalvin Cook, and they were pretty successful in that regard. I, w- I would say uh, for a game where the the Vikings were up or, or, or were relatively, it was relatively close, even though the Vikings did lead for most of it. He still got a very decent amount of carries like more for more than i would have thought in a game where kirk cousins threw the ball 37 times dalvin cook still touched the ball overall let's see 26 times 22 carries for four receptions that's a tremendous amount of touches for someone who only ended up with like what like five fantasy points in the end which is kind of kind of impressive uh, we got Matt back here. Uh, Matt, before we before we take a very quick break, I just wanted to get to uh, one thing on the Patriots because I'm not sure you can necessarily count on Devontae Parker having four catches for 80 yards in any given week or that you can count on like a Nelson Aguilar touchdown. But I do want to say Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris apparently left this game with a thigh injury. And when he left, we kind of just saw it ratchet up for Ramondre Stevenson even more. If you look at the rushing stats, seven carries for 36 yards is not super inspiring. That's definitely for true. But at the same time, Ramondre Stevenson had nine catches for 76 yards. Nine catches for 76 yards for any running back is elite. But we have I've joked with you a couple times, a couple weeks in a row now, that Ramondre Stevenson is... Like he he's a more of a pass catching back than we give him credit for, and that usually and most weeks after Jacoby Myers and, and Myers missed a chunk of this game with uh, I think he had a shoulder injury and there was a concussion concern, so he he missed some time and it was in this time where Ramondre Stevenson made some hay. But after Myers, most weeks the next most reliable pass catcher is going to be Stevenson. It certainly looks like that's going to continue to be the case. So Stevenson has at least five targets in eight of. 11 games which is insane and the last if i'm counting right one two three four five six games he has no less than five targets he has uh he had 10 this week he had six seven seven eight and five you're talking about we're talking about an elite workload which we never would have expected i mean he did only have i say only 16 touches this week because he had only the seven carries but the previous week 21 18 23 19 23 uh 27 like he's getting an elite workload and he is absolutely taking advantage of it you know i'm I'm surprised because when you think of a Patriots running back that is a good pass catcher, you don't think of somebody as big as Ramondre Stevenson. I think that's the biggest part. Everybody said, oh, you know, Ramondre's not going to be able to do it. He's not, an, he's not a good enough pass catcher. But what we've seen is, I guess the when it comes to the running back, it doesn't matter how big or small you are. If you can catch the ball in Bill Belichick's system, you can catch the ball in Bill Belichick's system. And it's worked out really well for anybody that drafted him. He was one of those players that was talked about a lot at the beginning of the season as a potential um, league winner because 
he was the better running back than Damian Harris. And it's not that Damian Harris has been bad because his yards per carry has been pretty good. He's been pretty efficient when he's had the ball. The problem is, is that Ramondre Stevenson just does everything, and he does everything fairly well. Like, even in a game, you know, last week against the Jets, that miserable game, he only had 15 carries for 26 yards, 1.7 yards per carry. But he still he still managed six receptions for 56 yards. So he's doing it even in games where he's not efficient on the ground. And he's been a real boon for a lot of people who took him late. And, and they're really reaping the war, rewards of him being a league winner. Yeah, I kind of, I definitely thought when it came to the Patriots that we would see another usage, another split kind of like, They'd find, like, Damian Harris would be the guy to run the ball. Maybe Ramondre Stevenson would be, would be the guy to sometimes run the ball and that they'd find another James White-ish player. Uh, it turns out they have the confidence in Ramondre Stevenson to do both roles because Damian Harris, uh, I don't know if he's droppable just yet until we find out the severity of the thigh injury, but if it is, like, if we're at the point where Damian Harris misses, like, two to three weeks, Again, given that the fantasy playoffs are nearby, he he actually might be droppable, which is crazy to say considering he had, what, 14 or 15 touchdowns on the ground last season. But Ramondre Stevenson, despite the loss, was still very productive for the Patriots in this Week 12 loss, 33-26, Minnesota beating New England to wrap up the American Thanksgiving slate. Uh, For us, we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back in the next segment, we'll get to some of the top stories of this week and also your texts at 590-590, name and location. We're only here for one more segment because Canada and Croatia is going to kick off in a little while. But still, while we are here, we will answer as many text text line questions on the people's text line as humanly possible. So your text straight ahead, top story straight ahead on the Fantasy Show, Show and Matt on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fantasy Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Adley, Matt Marchese here for one more segment this Sunday morning ahead of Canada, Croatia, kicking the grass with Jeff Blair and Devang Desai. will follow us just to bridge you to Canada, Croatia later on this morning. But still, in place of our usual two hours of Start, Sit, Talk, we're here to take your questions on the people's text line at 590-590. Name and location, please. You can tweet at us. SNS Alley with two L's at MattyMar89 at The Fantasy Show on Twitter. I will get to the text line questions to wrap up in about 10 minutes. We'll spend the last 10 minutes of the program doing texts. And of course, as usual, once this is done, if we don't get to your text line question on the air, we will still answer all of your text line questions before 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern, of course. But I wanted to get to some of the top stories here with you, Matt, in the next couple of minutes. Uh, real quick, what, this is one you and I have been talking about a lot in terms of Zach Wilson For Bears at Jets later today, Zach Wilson not playing very well over the last couple of weeks and then refusing to take uh, some responsibility after the loss to the Patriots, and he was benched. He is no longer going to be the starting quarterback. It's possible he will be at some point this season because, again, I think the Jets just need, like, oh, they just need a sliver of competent QB play, and they would probably make the playoffs with that that defense, those those wide receivers, even with Brees Hall on uh, on the IR. This is a very, very good team. But still, after the kind of debacle with the media last weekend, Mike White is going to start. I got to admit, I was surprised it was Mike White and not Joe Flacco, if only because we had seen Flacco earlier this season. And he actually looked pretty well, like pretty well, a very, very efficient 
Oh, you know what? That's not true. Efficient is not the right word, but he looked better than what the Jets offense had looked this far in the rest of the season. I'm curious, though, Mike White now over Joe Flacco. What does that do to someone like Michael Carter? And can you risk starting Garrett Wilson? Oh boy, right, we're starting off with the with the tough question right out of the the hopper here. Show, you know, I I was super surprised that Joe Flacco wasn't the starting quarterback. Now, I mean, maybe we shouldn't be because he wasn't even dressing on game days. He was inactive when Zach Wilson and and they named Mike White the backup. But Joe Flacco, like, if they wanted to get to the playoffs, if that's what the goal was, then I feel like Joe Flacco was probably the better answer. But anyway. Um, Michael Carter, I still think because of his pass-catching ability, is going to be able to be in a, a flex-start position. I don't know. Garrett Wilson has just he's looked good. Um, last week aside, because last week was such a weird game. It was windy, um, too, right? Yeah, the, the wind was just horrible. Neither quarterback had a good game, and, and not really any receivers had, had decent days either. But I still think that Garrett Wilson is talented enough that if you get the ball within the vicinity, he's able to catch it. And he's able to make plays when he does get the ball in his hands. So, I mean, it's tempered expectations, but I still think that as a flex starter or a wide receiver three, I still do like Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I think that's where I, I kind of have him ranked more as a flex. And I, I, I only say that because we had this conversation almost exactly when – they went from Flacco to Zach Wilson when he came back from the injury that he had suffered in the preseason, right? Like I basically said to you, like, okay, just temper your expectations for, let's say, Garrett Wilson, just because, you know, the QB changes can be a little different for, for certainly for all, for all parties involved, but specifically for wide receivers. And I, I think generally speaking, Garrett Wilson has looked, I almost think he's looked the one of the best, if not the best of the rookie wide receivers. And I know this, that includes guys like Chris Olave and so on. But I, I do think it's just the QB situation has held him back because when he has been on, he has been fantastic. I, I do have him as a WR3 flex play, closer to being a flex play this weekend, only because I just want to see what Mike White is. He's like the dump off king. And if that is the case, I almost feel like it does power Michael Carter specifically a little more than even James Robinson, maybe even a little more than, well, certainly Elijah Moore. Corey Davis could return this week, so you got to monitor that because I think that does impact the usage of Garrett Wilson to a certain degree. Like, it might make him have to be a little more efficient with the touches, which is certainly possible because, again, he's very, very good. But just I would keep all that in mind. Personally, I'm just going to stay away from starting any Jets if possible this weekend. But I mean, if you have to start Garrett Wilson or Michael Carter, those are probably the two main guys um, on the other side of this matchup bears at jets, Justin Fields. It looks, I don't think he has been officially ruled out, but it certainly looks pretty likely that with the separated shoulder, he will not play. Honestly, it seems like the best thing because I think it would be like QB coaching malpractice to have Justin Fields be injured, clearly injured at the end of last week's game and then go out there and actually start this week, it just seems like that's the, the complete wrong thing to do for someone's career. We've seen that happen with like RG3 and other other very highly drafted QBs and not the not-so-distant past. So I think it's a, probably the right thing. It does mean that Trevor Simeon is the backup. So I guess Darnell Mooney is probably the only pass catcher you can like confidently start. But I don't know. I, again, it's, 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 it's the same kind of situation as we're talking about with the Jets. Just like temper expectations here because I think you wanted to see like Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and not Mike White and, and Trevor Simeon. Yeah, it's the matchup we didn't know we needed, right? That's exactly Ooh. what it is. I'm not watching and, this game. I'm and, not watching this game. Today. No, 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 no. You couldn't pay me to watch this game. Um, but 
it, the, the thing that, that is so disappointing is just we've seen Justin Fields just take his game to a completely different level. And whenever – you never want anybody to get hurt, but when it happens to – a star and a young star who's who's literally just figured it out over the last whatever it is six seven games that he it, it's just a shame that he misses time because of an injury and and frankly show it was an injury that had to do with coaching malpractice if we're being honest he looked like he banged up his shoulder and let's run him again it feels like the herb brooks and miracle scene where they line him up right. on the goal line he goes right. again again and and so I know that that Justin Fields has been basically the reason for Chicago's offensive resurgence, um, but it downgrades. It certainly downgrades Darnell Mooney. It certainly downgrades Cole Komet. Like I'm, I'm the only bear that I'm starting is David Montgomery because I think he's in for a massive workload, especially with Khalil Herbert out uh, since he's been on the IR. Yeah, and, and like like you said, I think he he already had. A mass, he being David Montgomery, had a massive share of uh, of the the running back room, just generally speaking. And after Herbert went down, the other the other guy having that share was Fields himself. And if no Fields today, then yeah, I got to think that they're going to run the ball like twenty five to thirty times with Montgomery alone. Now the Jets' defense is very good; it's very stout against the run, and that was the case even last year. But uh, I think if you're getting a if you're getting a running back with that amount of of, of carries in a weekly basis, that amount of volume. I think you can feel, you can feel good about it. If not great, because I'm not sure how high, high value those touches will be, but Montgomery is talented enough that he'll probably make some hay with, with 25 touches. I would imagine. Um, I wanted to get to a couple other things with you as well. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Browns, one of the early games today as well. Leonard Fournette is listed as doubtful. Again, I'm not sure. Has he been, I'm not sure if he's officially been ruled out, uh, just quite yet. That might come in the next couple of hours, but he's been listed as doubtful even going back to yesterday. So whenever that happens, I feel like that means you're probably not going to play, which essentially means that Rashad White becomes the guy and against the Browns defense, which is honestly not great. You can feel pretty good about maybe slotting in Rashad White. I got him as maybe like a low-end RB2, Matt. Oh, show. Oh, show. I, I am. You know me and Rashad White. Like I, I'm, I'm a big Rashad White guy. Yeah, and I've got him as a high end RB two here. Ooh, okay, I, I have him as I think he's going to be able to catch passes out of the out of the backfield. I think that he, I'm, I'm expecting like twenty two touches from Rashad White against a horrible Cleveland Browns defense. I think he's going to light the world on fire today. And a player that we had talked about from the beginning of the season as, hey. You need to roster Rashad White. He's You have to have him and you have to stash him because at the end of the day, the running back position in any Tom Brady offense has been fruitful because even even this season show, and the offense hasn't been good, Leonard Fournette was still having a, a good fantasy season even with them not being able to move the ball, even with Tom Brady not having the same amount of success. And so Rashad White, who is has one of the best relative athletic scores since, I think out of like 1,800 running backs that they've run the relative athletic score since the 80s, that Rashad White's is like fourth. So he is a he's a special talent. He's a special athlete, and he's. I do wonder if how long Leonard Fournette is out for. For one thing, because um, I do expect that he's going to be out, but I do wonder how much of the reins have been passed on to Rashad White already, regardless of that injury. 
Well, you go back to that game in Germany from a couple of weeks ago in Munich, and Fournette got banged up at the end of that game, and then they had their bye, the Buccaneers. But that game, it was interesting, right? Because at the end of that game, to close out the game against the Seahawks, Rashad White got the ball, and he made the most of it. Like, he was the one who sealed that game, and he just looked immediately more. And this is not a knock against Leonard Fournette, it's, but there's a lot of tread on those tires going back to his days in Jacksonville. And Rashad White, much fresher legs, still being worked into the game plan, clearly gaining at least a little bit of Tom Brady's trust. So I, I do like him as an RB2. For, I just, I, I, the, the general offensive problems for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is what has me listing him as a lower-end RB2 versus a higher-end RB2. But still, he should be in your starting lineup today against a, a god-awful uh, Cleveland Browns defense. Um, the last one I wanted to get to with you before we get to our text line questions, Cards are charge, Chargers at Cardinals a little later on this afternoon. I believe Mike Williams is listed as out. And that, boy, after after Mike Williams booming us, coming back and saying, oh, I'm 200% healthy. He, like, aggravates the high ankle sprain on, like, the third or fourth snap of the game. He gets less than, I want to say, two points. Probably lost a lot of people their weeks, which is unfortunate. But Keenan Allen is back, and it looks like he's going to remain back unless he also gets injured. But I, I, I got to say, I do think... Joshua Palmer, I mean, I thought he'd still be relatively productive, but he was he had a career day, long long catches, two TDs. He might legitimately be better as the number 2 option when Keenan Allen is on the field versus Palmer having to be the number 1 guy getting the number 1 coverage if that makes sense. So Josh Palmer over the course of the season is wide receiver 30 in half PPR formats. And that's be, and that's also due to the fact that, you know, Mike Williams was missed some time and, and Keenan Allen missed some time, but in that, so since, since week, like, I mean, if we're talking over the course of a, of an entire season with Josh Palmer, no, you probably didn't draft him. You probably picked him up like, after the Keenan Allen injury, you probably didn't start him all that often. And then he starts to take off, and that was basically free money with Josh Palmer. And he's been, at, like last week was was excellent. He's been as reliable a wide receiver as you can get over the last four or five weeks. And, and even with Keenan Allen there, like I'm assuming we're going to see a little bit more from Keenan Allen this week just because I'm sure, I don't know what the snap counts were, but I'm sure that they they eased him back in a little bit because Mike Williams had started the game. But having said all that, Josh Palmer, even with Keenan Allen there, is absolutely startable. And we talk about you know attaching players to specific quarterbacks. And I know Justin Herbert hasn't had the same season as he had had in previous years, but he's still a really good quarterback. He's, they still like to sling the ball. I know they have Austin Eckler, but Josh Palmer, is, he's catching passes and the key is he's scoring touchdowns here and so I, i'm i'm a i'm a big mike williams guy but he just can't stay healthy enough to trust him whereas josh palmer has fit right in and he's not a he doesn't have the same body type as mike williams mike williams is a big bigger wide receiver one of those more of a 50 50 guy whereas josh palmer is a, a smaller uh, a little bit faster wide receiver who's really making plays and it's funny because Josh Palmer was the guy who was a little bit of an afterthought. He was a third-round pick, but they had just signed Mike Williams to the big contract, and Keenan Allen has one as well, and here's Josh Palmer out playing and, and staying on the field more than both of them have. 
Yeah, Canada's own Josh Palmer, I think, has been pretty uh, pretty fantasy relevant. I like for to give you a, an example of who I'm starting him over. Like I know Jamar Chase may or may not return today. Some people saying he will. Some people saying he won't. Um, let's just say he is out, and Tyler Boyd carry still contains and carries that value he has carried since Chase going out. I I'm still starting. I think Josh Palmer over for me personally. Maybe like Tyler Boyd. And we talked about Garrett Wilson earlier, Darnell Mooney. I'd probably start Josh Palmer this particular week over those three guys. But it's like it's relatively close. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I, we can we have a couple more stories we can get to. But you know what? I want to get to as many text line questions as possible in these last ten minutes here, Matt. So why are you ready to do some text this Sunday morning? I'm going to take that as a yes. Let's do it. And now, your fantasy questions on the People's Text Line. <laughs> I, you know what? Sorry, to... show. My connection My connection went out. I had to reconnect. <laughs> and This is what happens when you come to Sudbury and have to do the show out of your hotel room. <laughs> that's, that's really funny. I was like, wow. Matt's usually so gung-ho for the text. You really didn't want to do it this morning. Okay, let, let's do a couple texts here before we go. We got about 10 minutes. Uh, phase in Peterborough, full PPR league. Uh, just wanted to say your help has been fantastic. I'm 10 and 1 in part because of it. Fantastic phase. Uh, the question I have is at Flex Jeff Wilson Jr., AJ Brown, or Michael Pittman Jr. Just worried about the illness with Brown. If, if, you, if you hadn't heard this, what FaZe was referring to with A.J. Brown, apparently he was like, he had some kind of non-COVID illness. He was sick for a part of the week. I don't believe he carries any kind of injury designation today, so he is going to be fired up. I think he's still going to see a lot of Jair Alexander, but Jair Alexander has been much more uh, much more mortal this season, I think, so you can probably still start him. Having said that, like I, I, I don't know about you, Matt. Again, full PPR league, Jeff Wilson Jr., A.J. Brown, Michael Pittman Jr., you could start all of those guys. Is it crazy to say you want to start Jeff Wilson Jr. over A.J. Brown? Is that wild? Oh, man, it looks like Raheem Mostert's going to be... It looks like he's doubtful. Yeah, that's what I mean. Today, so probably a likely inactive. And, you know, with, with the way that they used Jeff Wilson last week, um, which was, again, stunning. Uh, not last week, sorry, the week before. I'm, I don't even know what to make of that Miami backfield. And with today's matchup, I mean... The, the Texans have allowed... They're, they're the worst team against the run. They're horrible. And the Eagles, I mean, they've been really good, but they're paying the Packers secondary, who's been pretty decent. Show, I, I... Man, I think I'm leaning Jeff Wilson Jr. in this one. Yeah, oh, man, I think I am too. Oh, I think only because Raheem Mostert is likely to not play. If, if, it, if he was going to play, maybe I would have been swayed. But at the same time... Raheem, uh, Raheem Mostert just in recent weeks had fallen by the wayside a little bit, like a teensy bit, right? He, he's, he's been seeing less and less carries every single week. I think he got injured like on the last carry of the game last week, which is absolutely crazy. So I hope he gets better. But boy, for fantasy purposes, if you have Jeff Wilson Jr., I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people picked up JWJ for free in that, in that short time period after uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. was traded to Miami and... Uh, 
after Christian McCaffrey was traded to San Francisco as well, right? Like I think those were the those were the two scenarios that I think changed his value in a huge way. But boy, JWJ has been fantastic. So I think we might both go with JWJ. I'm gonna send Faze a quick text just to confirm, see who else he has there going on. But it's very close for me with Jeff Wilson Jr. because of the the lack of Raheem Mostert. Uh, Stephen East York says, okay, I need a QB with my boy Fields. Hurt, Mariota or Heineke? I also need another half PPR wide receiver. Um, so let, let's do the uh, let's do the QB first. Mariota, Marcus Mariota, or Taylor Heineke? Oh man, I I feel like man Taylor Heineke's been pretty good, and Washington's defense has been a little bit better. I think I'm going to lean with Taylor Heineke here. Crack open a Heineke. Crack open the Heineke. I like it. Uh, he also needs one other wide receiver in half PPR. Uh, Darnell Mooney or Garrett Wilson. I, I, they're both kind of like, if you're doing like tiers, they're both kind of in the same tier for me. I'm curious where you fall on this. I Just because of the QB change, um, that kind of applies to both these guys. You know what? I might still stick with Garrett Wilson. How about you? I, I think I might still go with Garrett Wilson just because of talent maybe. Well, I, I go with Garrett Wilson because the Jets secondary has been so good and I think that I think that Darnell Mooney's gonna see a lot of sauce gardener. And I mean it's it's really a coin flip, but I just go with the better matchup in the secondary in this case and I'll take Garrett Wilson as well. You know, it's a good point actually. Sauce Gardner has been like this early in his career, probably like a top five cover corner in the league in, in 2022. Like he's been absolutely fantastic to watch. So I've uh, really enjoyed it. I see one here. There's no name on this one, but um, I do like this text because I think it does show the importance of not doing this on Thursday nights. He says, good morning, boys. I made a mistake. I had Jamal Williams in my flex and I left Joe Mixon in a running back spot. So now with Mixon out, I have to start a running back of either... Uh, okay, he has to start a running back specifically because Jamal Williams was in the flex. He has to start a running back of either Dylan, Jarek McKinnon, or Gus Edwards in a half PPR. The, the positive thing here is I think Gus Edwards is going to play. And if he plays, I think he's been talented enough that you can start him, especially over those other two guys. But I think that's a good reminder of why on Thursday night, don't start guys in your flex spots. 100 percent we we gotta keep we gotta keep putting out psas for that yeah um here's here's my here's my only thing i i feel like yes gus edwards is healthy um but clyde edwards Lair was just put on the injured reserve which means that a lot of the pass catching opportunities are gonna go to Jarek mckinnon um having said all that the Ravens are playing the Jaguars, who are not very good. Again, they just haven't been very good, period. Um, and the Chiefs are going up against the Rams, who, despite their season being kind of over, they're not not—they're not very good. They're starting Bryce Perkins. Like, it's a disaster. Um, I think this is a little bit tougher for me, just because of its, it being half PPR. I might actually lean McKinnon, because... He, I think he ends up getting a little bit more work. That game might end up being a blowout. We see a lot of Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah yeah. Pacheco. That's not a bad one, actually. I, I think I, I think you but might have convinced me. But it's a, it's a split for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a split for me. It's really close. It's it, really close. It, it is close. And I, I got the feeling, too, that maybe Gus Edwards was close to returning last week, and they just didn't because they didn't want to, they wanted to play it safe. And, and we just know the Ravens run Agreed. the ball a whole hell of a lot, and that's kind of the reason I might lean Gus. But, again, we've seen that the Chiefs offense 
defense, they like them some Jarek McKinnon. So I, uh, I'll, I'll, I, I think I'll, I'll probably still go Gus, but it's very, it's very slim. And I think you're probably right. The half PPR could, could lean it in favor of Jarek McKinnon. Also, Matthew Stafford might be done for the season. I'm seeing here on Twitter. So if that's the case, I think you. Uh, I'm not sure if Bryce Perkins is the answer at QB fantasy-wise, but uh, just keep in mind that maybe a lot, not a lot of uh, Los Angeles Rams might be have carrying a lot of, a lot more value the rest of the season. Uh, let's wrap up on this one, Matt. Uh, good morning, fellas. Ben from Thornhill, full PPR. Eliminate one of these three. Devonta Smith, Tyler Boyd, and Traylon Burks. So you're benching one of these guys. Devonta, Tyler Boyd, and Traylon Burks, Matt. Full PPR. That's a tough one. I mean, Traylon Burks did have a really good week. What do you have? Seven catches for yeah. 111 yards against the Packers. Um, Devontae Smith's been really good. Oh, I I can't believe I'm going to say this because I like the guy. I'm going to bench Tyler Boyd. You know, I think I might. I'm going to go benching Tyler Boyd as well, only because. I've started him basically every week that Jamar Chase has been out, and it looks like there's a real possibility Jamar Chase, despite practicing a little bit this week, might not actually suit up in Week 12 just out of out of safety, right? And we saw this kind of nonsense with Joe Mixon last year when he looked like he was healthy, and at Willie Star, then he is inactive on game day, right? So I'm not sure if we're going to see that again this week, but Tyler Boyd, like, he actually hasn't had as much value as I maybe you thought he would have. But let me ask you this. Samaj Pirine looks like he's going to be the main running back this week because no Joe Mixon. He's already been ruled out with a concussion. So does that, like, do you, how much do you factor in no Mixon and Pirine being the guy to take away maybe potential pass catches from from pretty any pretty much any other Bengals pass catcher here? Yeah, it's very interesting. I uh, Pirine was really good last week. I know he had three touchdowns. I don't expect that again, but. Tyler, it's Tyler Boyd who's been uninspiring with the the opened up opportunity, and that's why I still think that I'm leaning to to take him out of that group. I think P Ryan ends up being like a mid range RB two. Yeah, I think so. You think you're probably right, P Ryan, with the RB two status because we know Joe Burrow loves to throw the ball to his running backs. But yeah, I think for Ben from Thornhill, eliminating one of these three, Devonta Smith, Tyler Boyd, Traylon Burks, we're both going to bench Tyler Boyd. So you can start Devonta and Traylon this week, Ben. That does it for the text line questions. But again, we will answer all of your text line questions off the air uh, right after the show is done in about five minutes. But we appreciate you being alongside us. Uh, Good luck to Canada against Croatia today. A kick in the grass is next for Matt. For Austin, I'm show. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network.